Sales Tuners, Episode 37. Mary Browning, Director of Sales Development at Implify. The challenge that exists within prospecting or cold calling that's different than the rest of the sales process is I have 30 seconds to uncover someone's pain. This is Sales Tuners with Jim Brown. The only weekly show where we talk about the behaviors, attitudes, and techniques that get sales reps and entrepreneurs to grow their revenue from $1 million to more than $10 million in just two years. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. It's time, it's time, it's time. It's Sales Sooner's time. I'm Jim Brown, your host, and our weekly inspiration comes from Mario Andretti, who said, if everything seems under control, you're not going fast enough. Joining me today is Mary Browning, Director of Sales Development at Implify, an employee engagement insights company. Mary boasts more than 10 years experience in sales, lead generation, and operations directly in several different B2B channels. She's active on the volunteer side as well serving as a board member for the O'Connor House, and is the Indianapolis chapter president of the American Association of Inside Sales Professionals. And speaking of experience, Mary will attend her 20th consecutive Indianapolis 500 this month, and rumor has it, she really just wants to be a race car driver. Before we dive in, I want to give something away. As you know, your ratings and reviews on iTunes are the single biggest way i found to grow the audience for this show. So, for the next week... Any listener who posts a review and sends me an email saying they did it will receive a free month of Read It For Me. This is the number one business book summary service for entrepreneurs and sales leaders and something I've been a paying customer of for well over a year now. To make this as simple as possible, just go to salestuners.com review and you'll be redirected to where you can leave your comments. Once you're done, just shoot me a note to jim at salestuners.com and I'll get your free month of Read It For Me out to you. All right, make sure you stick around until the end where I'll give my recap and top takeaways. You can also check out all the links and show notes at salestuners.com slash 37. But now, let's get to the conversation where Mary talks about her thrill and need for speed as she plans to attend the upcoming Greatest Spectacle in Racing. Yeah, great question. So I teeter between uh, sitting in fourth turn and sitting in the first turn. So what's neat about the first turn is you really catch the fastest spot of the track, uh, which is when they're coming across that that straightaway, coming into that first turn. So from a speed perspective, it's, it's really the best place to be. What's interesting about the fourth turn is you get a pretty great view of kind of three of the turns where all the other turns kind of get, keep you on two. So from a vantage point, uh, very exciting spots. There also tends to be a lot of crashes in the fourth turn. So not that I want to see crashes, but there's something very, very thrilling about getting in a car and going that fast. So, you know, things like that tend to happen, but it's uh, it's really something to see. So um, I am also just moving up to the Indianapolis 500. I'm a big fan of just getting out to the track, um, even if it's for like a practice day or qualification um carb day is also just a blast have you ever done carb day jim i have not but i need to 
yeah, it, it, it's great fun. There's always an opportunity to see the cars and um, meet the drivers. And then the last thing I'll tell you is if you haven't done the fastest seat in racing, which is actually driving in the two seater, you got to put it on your list. It's, uh, it's, it's phenomenal. It's funny. I, I, that's, that's a gift that I got my dad a couple of years ago for Christmas. And, uh, I was jealous and I didn't take advantage of it, but I need to do it, especially now with your recommendation. So Mary, I, I love it. And I'm, hopefully I see you at the track, but uh, as you know, in this show, we talk about the behaviors, attitudes, and techniques that have led to your success. And so, while I can't imagine you've always been, uh, the Mary Browning that I know the successful one, take me way back. How did you even get started in sales? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so essentially from a career standpoint, I really grew up all around sales so a piece of that um, comes from my family. My dad has always been in sales or client delivery, um, but in, in big, big companies. I swear he's gone through more acquisitions than anyone I know, but he's worked for companies like Xerox, ACS, CDS, some of those there. So um, I just, I always admired my dad growing up. Um, he, uh, he worked incredibly hard and it was very evident to myself and just our family, the sacrifices that he was making for that. But I've, I've always been proud to kind of follow in his uh, footsteps. So that's kind of a piece of it. Um, the second uh, part is really where I had my first job. Um, I worked at a local company called LeadGen. Um, they're in the business of sales support, um, prospecting and appointment setting. So naturally, if I was selling, delivering service, doing marketing, any of those things, it was aligned with sales. It was, it was like doing the activity. And I thought also the thing I was selling or marketing. So um, I spent about eight years at LeadGen, um, successfully held every role in the business, uh, from being a member of our data group and validating corporate data, um, you know, up through client delivery and also just operating the company as COO. So um, it was also where I got just very passionate about sales, um, just because of the sheer impact we had on client programs. So from an ROI perspective, um, and the fact that we were we were getting them into organizations that they couldn't get into themselves. So um, I my mindset is you you can't run a business without being able to sell. Um, but the first step to selling is finding a way to get um, get in the door with new customers. So I began to see just prospecting be a, being a really fantastic and cost effective way to uh, to get into it. So. So, so let's, more recently, well, let's, oh, let's break yeah, that down. Ahead, yeah, let's break that down real quick, though. So, yeah. I, um, so everyone out, out there knows I'm a big Mary fan. I've actually got to work with her on two different occasions at two different companies. So when she's talking about being able to get into organizations that you know I couldn't even get to on my own, she's not lying because uh, she's done it for me. But but Mary, you were able to do this for so many different companies and even different industries. How were you? How were you able to accomplish that? Yeah. Great question. Um, so it's uh, at the highest level, um, data and metrics is is really the key to being able to figure some of those things out. So I'm naturally very data orientated um, and being able to leverage metrics as a way to um, learn about the marketplace is so very important in running those types of campaigns. So um, when you just think about the sheer structure of a lead generation campaign, there's really four things that you're paying attention to. It's the data, it's the message, it's the cadence, and it's qualification. And um, with all of those things, what we were doing with clients is being able to start in all, like all four of those areas with our best assumptions. So we're thinking about the current marketplace and the ins and outs of each organization. So part of it is just starting to understand and meet clients where they were at. 
um, and, and understand a little bit about the marketplace and then be able to structure those things, again, based on our best assumptions. And then uh, you know, once you start getting into the marketplace and having dialogues and conversations, you start to learn. Um, you start to learn, is this, is this pitch resonating? Are my pain points compelling enough? You start to learn, if someone tells me they're not a fit, why is it? Maybe I'm not even starting with the right title path. You start to understand how many calls do I really need to make? Um, and what do I need to do to get really the, the, the best, most qualified meeting? And, and it's all about testing. So then you just start learning about the marketplace and then you start iterating and changing those things. So um, I'm an activator by nature, if you're familiar with Strength Finders. So it's really an industry that works really well for me because there's constant iteration and constant learning. Um, and then you go, and as long as you have a, a technology set up to help give you some of that metrics, um, and you've got people that are willing to adjust and change, you can get there. So it was very common to come in and maybe start out, start with one message, but have it change pretty, you know, pretty dramatically over time. So I think that's the number one thing, really the, the most important thing to keep in mind when setting up a campaign like that, that at the end of the day, it's going to result in revenue for a company. So I want to just go even a little bit further. So you talk about the, the four keys are awesome. And uh, we're going to have that in the show notes for anybody who, who didn't get those. We're also going to talk about them a little bit more now. So you talked about data and you're, you're a metrics person. But what does that actually mean? What data are yeah. you gathering up front to, to, to start these campaigns? Yeah, absolutely. So at the most basic level, um, data is the list of people that I'm going to call and the types of companies um, that they're that they basically are working at. So um, part of what we're trying to understand when we start off, and I've even done this here at Amplify, is let's start to talk about the ideal company profile to start off with. So um, industry, size, um, any of the, any of those just common factors, like let's, let's get down to kind of the bare minimum and talk about where we feel like we're going to have the highest conversion from a, an account or company standpoint. And then I'm going to talk about the people. One thing that always fascinated me in working with, uh, with clients on this is uh, when we talk about people and who we're going to reach out to, it's very common for people to think who's signing on the dotted line. Right. Um, but typically, it's a different person who's going to open that door. So, and we went through that here at Amplify. So it's, you know, it's funny how those examples keep coming up. But um, it's thinking about who are the influencers who are, who are involved? Who are the people that are going to be concerned with something like this? Who are the people who can bring it up through the organization? So um, just being able to, to talk through some of those scenarios and get to that right person. Um, the next level, and this is, this is kind of beyond just starting a campaign like this, but the next level that's really important from a data perspective is starting to understand what might be occurring within a company that would make them more relevant. Um, I ran campaigns at lead gen where um, if we if we found out like maybe what technology complementary technology might be in place within a company um, that we could message to, I've seen response rates double just because of that relevancy. So that's kind of the second level of data that's really important. Got it. Got it. Okay. It, it's funny that you say, you know, these, these themes keep coming up. I was talking to somebody yesterday and, you know, I was laying out my framework for how I wanted them to attack this problem. And they got to the end and they said, Jim, this seems pretty generic. And I was a little bit taken aback uh, at first. And I looked at him, I said, when you say generic, what do you mean? Because I wanted to dig a little bit, but I said, okay, so help me better understand. You've been unsuccessful at this for three years, but you wanted me to come in and do something fancy for you? <laughs> and he was like, okay, 
I get it. You're right. Let's let's do the basic blocking and tackling. Let's figure out that ideal customer profile. Let's see if there are, as you said, you know, any any key tech stacks that we can look at to leverage. Right. So, you know, it, it's just it's just weird that people always want to get fancy instead of just doing the stuff that's going to allow them to take one step forward. So absolutely. Absolutely. Let's talk messaging. Right. So how do you start? Because here's the here's the thing, Mary, that that I want to get at. You did this sometimes, not sometimes, more often than not, better than the company could do themselves. So how were you able to figure out better messaging as an outsourced person than the team who spends every single waking minute of their day doing this? That's a fantastic question. I think it's actually better. <laughs> there were several scenarios where if people get too close to it, it's kind of hard to see it through the the mix of trees. So, yeah, you know, that's a great. I think that's a great thing that works really. It worked really in our favor at Lead Gen, is and something that I've taken here as well is especially in not knowing a ton about Amplify, you know, when I first started is just being able to start asking some questions that get people thinking um, high level. So the the challenge that um, exists within prospecting or cold calling that's maybe different than the rest of the sales process is I have 30 seconds to uncover someone's pain. Now, the advantage is I have that conversation over and over and over. So that's where planning comes in. But um, to, to really start off with, um, it's I have to be really, really fast and quick with explaining what other people find. So um, I've begun to, and done this for a long time, leverage some different questions to uncovering that sort of thing. And I have to almost get that either, you know, this used to be my client at Lead Gen, but I almost have to get just some of the, the key people I work with here at Amplify in that mindset of like, I'm on an elevator with somebody and I have six seconds to get my point across. Um, and so I, you know, I start to ask questions around um, what are some of the problems that clients face today? And I kind of let them throw up all the responses at me. And what I'm trying to do is look for synergies or look for patterns. And I'm looking for really succinct ways to communicate it back. Um, so help me understand the state of the world for folks um, before working with you. Uh, how would they describe their own problems um, if they were doing it really quickly? Um, and so just some deep, and they're always rooted in pain. Um, that's a, I've seen a, a lot of companies do this in very different ways, but if you're not leading with pain on a cold call that's succinct, it's gonna be really hard to uncover that. So um, just really trying to leverage questions to get people thinking about high level, I gotta speak like I'm my customer and I gotta do it pretty quickly. So we gotta move to cadence, right? You yeah. You just call every day, right? It's that easy. <laughs> so you gotta be careful for browbeating, Jen, right. for sure. <laughs> Yeah, so there is a method there that um, I've really hung my hat on um, that I've seen work extremely well in terms of cadence. So um, number one, it's got to be a mix of, of channels. So um, just phone calls um, is not the way to go. Just emails is not the way to go. We're also, we're starting to explore some things with social here at Amplify that I'm really excited about. Um, but uh, it's definitely going to be a mix of those channels. And um, the, the and this will go back to the point I made earlier. Um, with cadence, it's got to start somewhere and then, and then start to listen to the marketplace in terms of what you really need. So I tend to start with a um, six call to email cadence. Um, I'm starting with an email, um, actually more often than not, um, and people are bombarded with emails today, so there's a whole other strategy there, but I'm going to start with an email as a little bit of a softer landing uh, for my team. 
Um, and then um, I'm gonna I'm gonna start those calls. And what I what I what I do is I separate those calls with one business day. I'm adding one business day each time. Um, so the full cadence extends over about two weeks. And I'm gonna start skipping one day, and then skipping two, and then skipping three, and then I'm gonna do my next email, and then I'm gonna go on from there. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to start with some level of baseline, and it's been really interesting. And this is an example here from Amplify. What you know, what we found is really all the calls after um, call five, we were getting no traction. So, you know, we're figuring once we figure that out, we can shorten things up a little bit to maximize the overall time. Got it. So you, you mentioned something about testing something new in social. Can you can you give me an idea of what that is? Yeah, so we're, we're very, very early in it. I actually was just at the AAISP summit and, and got to hear just from some fantastic people who are just really moving mountains with this approach. So um, before I came, what, what I noticed when coming to Amplify is we were, we were iterating a sort of like LinkedIn touch where we were just um, at least clicking on one of the prospects so that they could see we were checking on checking their profile. But I think social just goes beyond that because it's not merely a step. And I and what at least I'm hearing from others and what I'm excited about doing with my team is that it, what matters a little bit more is kind of what you're doing on social and, and how people within your kind of prospecting base perceive that. So if I'm sharing or if I'm um, commenting or, or clicking on things on social media, if that can align to my buyer's world, then I've got a little bit of a different opportunity there because um, so, that, that's being noticed and, and being able to use some of that in messaging as well. Um, hey, I noticed so-and-so shared this, you know, that you shared this blog and I was interested in these things, like leveraging a little bit more strategically. Um, and a lot of these ideas I'm getting from uh, Jill Rowley. So I have to, I have to call that out because it's certainly, it's, uh, it's not all my ideas, um, <laughs> but that's, that's kind of where we're looking to start. Um, and, you know, we'll expand from there and let the market tell us what to do next. So what I kind of heard you say there is just make sure you focus on the social part of social media. Be so, be social. So, and, and, and guys, if you want to hear more from Jill, you know, you can go all the way back to episode one and we talked at length about some of the stuff that she's been able to do. So, uh, she definitely is, uh, the champion for the, for the social selling uh, arena. Okay. So qualification, what does that mean in your world? Because anybody who's willing to give me money is qualified. <laughs> pretty darn close. <laughs> but uh, because, uh, you know, you think about outbound, um, we're interrupting someone's day, we're working actually to get a meeting booked pretty quickly. There's some different levels there. So the first thing I'll say about qualification is there has to be a strong relationship between the SDR group and whoever's selling. Um, so I actually spend a lot of my time trying to understand of our account executives here at Amplify, what's the overall feeling of the appointments that are that are being sent over? Um, wh where can we where can we improve? Where's there where's there a call where honestly you may may not want to take something like that again? So um, qualification is definitely an evolution where I always try to start um, is just understanding from account executives or other sales leaders when do you not want to take a meeting? What, and, and what I mean by that is what is a scenario where it's probably not going to move to a next step for you that you don't want to run into? Um, I recommend that people start a little bit wider with qualification. So, um, you know, I remember working with clients where it was like, you got to be doing BANT <laughs> and uh, it, it's, it, you can limit yourself too much. So start a little bit wider, um, which is what I did when I came to Amplify. Um, and then 
um, and then start to learn from the conversations that are that, that you're having. So that's really the initiative that I'm taking right now um, is whenever there's a meeting that's disqualified, I'm sitting down and talking to the sales team about it and trying to understand um, if this is not a call that you want to have again, why is that? Um, and then we start structuring qualifying questions around that. Um, so our goal, and you asked me this question, and I don't think I answered this, but our goal with a with um, qualification, like what constitutes a qualified lead, is that at least is somebody moving to some level of next step for you that you can begin to move across your sales process. I really like this concept of, of that relationship between the SDR and the AE. It's more than just, you know, the, the handoff. It truly is. Hey, what, what was good about this? What was bad about this? And, and again, I go back to my client days when I was a client of yours. We had those conversations every Monday. You know, what was yeah. it? from the previous week that was good, bad, ugly, et cetera. What do you not, uh, what do you not want more of? What do you want a lot more of? And, and I think that that stuff's really critical. So I appreciate you talking about that because I don't, I haven't had too many people uh, bring that up. So that's really powerful. Okay. You, 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 during this process, Mary, you had a, a mantra, right? A diem. What What's, what's that about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love talking about this. <laughs> this is a, it's a, it's a phrase, it's kind of a word that, I've taken uh, it from a work environment, also applied to like several other areas of my life. So, um, audium was a word that came out of um, kind of a, a pastime um, in uh, in my professional life, where um, my team and the organization that I was with, you know, we kind of had a, a, a steep hill to climb, and we had some pretty aggressive growth goals, and we, you know, had some situations that were holding us back. And I was talking to a, a great friend of mine um, who is a consultant um, for businesses. And she said, you know, during this time, I think you need a battle cry. I think you need something that everyone can uh, rally around and um, and to think of in every decision that they make when they come in day to day. I said, that's a fantastic idea. So I took a little bit of time um, I, and I thought about if we were to have uh, something that we would rally around and something that that we would cry out with passion, what would it be? And I started to think about how we were interacting with our customers. Um, I started thinking about how we were selling and the, pro- the approach that we had when selling and how we make decisions every day. Um, and the, the phrase that came to mind is be bold um, mm-hmm. in everything that we do. Just be bold, um, that willing to take, um, to take situations that make me uncomfortable because at the end of the day, it's gonna be better for my customer, which is gonna be better for the business. Um, it's going to be better for this prospect, whatever it might be. Um, and so I started Googling it and trying to, because be bold is pretty boring. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> and I, I started to look at uh, what that word meant in different languages. So I came across the um, the Latin version, which is, which is ADM. So, um, and this is, I mean, years and years ago, um, people use this term literally when going into battle. So it was like, uh, we're running into battle and we're screaming ADM. And, and so literally it means to be bold means to risk, to go into battle and to risk. And um, I remember sitting down with the team and sharing it and saying, this is just something we have to get behind right now. I I know it feels tough. I know we're all working as hard as we can, but this has to be our mindset in every decision that we we make. And so it really became, uh, I would sign all of my emails with um, hashtag ODM and I actually started a blog series around it, um, highlighting just decisions and business and, and how, how was I, and also how can others be very bold, um, in the decisions that they make. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it was really something that, that we all rallied around and, 
when I left Lead Gen, this, 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 this occurred at Lead Gen when I left the company, um, my team gave me a framed picture with the Lead Gen logo and the word Audium um, in the middle of it. So it's something that I that I've, you know, I have here at Amplify, and it's something that I really strive to to do in my business and in my life. I love that. I mean, you you, you truly embraced it your team embraced it you rallied around it and, and you brought a lot of awareness and accountability to these goals as a result of that right how did what was that like uh when you were doing that yeah um it's uh yeah that's that's a really good question so to start off with we had to find some ways um to to just describe how can we be bold in the way that we do that? So we started with trying to describe a lot of examples, but what I think it really came down to was how myself and the rest of the leadership team really embodied it and how we showed examples of it. Um, and then how we very intentionally took some of the, the good stuff that was happening with maybe the leadership team or maybe some of our um, individual team members and the contributions that they were making. And, and we started to kind of broadcast that across the organization. Um, for a while, I did a, a weekly video just out to our team. Um, and it would, it would start with like an audience spotlight. So it'd hmm. start with, you know, here's behavior that I saw that really embraces this. Congratulations to this person. So it was a way to just get it really rooted. And, um, and when you see those examples, you want to, you really want to try to, to follow them as like just a key individual. So, you know, it's an engagement thing too, which is interesting how you know, I was really excited about the opportunity to amplify because we are an engagement company and we look for ways to do this for our, for our clients as well. So it was, uh, yeah. Well, let, let's let's go ahead and make that transition and, and talk about that transition. So you went from managing so many different clients and, and industries and companies uh, and doing this type of work to now just focusing on one. What's what's been you know the the, the hardest thing you've had to face in that transition? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's been really exciting. Um, it really has been. I. Um, it's it just given me the opportunity to to get a little bit deeper with it and the opportunity to build a foundation for a team and to scale. Now, when I think about, you know, the hardest thing, um, it probably just had to do with the fact that um, in doing it for so many clients and in leading the team as I was, it was kind of, it was very chaotic. Now, it was chaotic, that chaos that brought me at least a little bit of energy, but I, I sometimes felt like um, I was, I was, touching a lot of different things, but not necessarily maybe being able to impact one thing as, as best as I could. So, you know, making the transition here and doing that has been exciting, but I, I'm a, I'm a little bit not used to the, uh, the not having chaos every day sure. um, and that, and that busyness. So um, what it, what it's done for me is enabled me to, to really focus on performance for this one, you know, one thing in particular, but um, I, uh, it's been also a good, good rest full-time period and, and just a good decision for me in terms of balance um, and uh, being able to just kind of show that I can go from an organization where it was really macro and and be able to apply it here and get a team really far. So just sometimes I miss the chaos. <laughs> yeah. Is there is there something, Mary, that as you've made the transition, and, and, I, and when I say transition now at this point, I'm talking about transition from your first day at Lead Gen to where you are now, uh, you know, leading an entire team that's just focused on one company. As you've done that, has anything become less important? You know, when it comes to prospecting, um, something that we put a, a ton of weight on is just volume of calls. So of, of course that's important. You know, it starts off with just being able to put up the numbers. 
Um, one thing that this team at Amplify has taught me is um, sometimes it isn't always about the numbers. And what's been so impressive is um, the opportunity for um, team members to just have the mindset of um, I'm gonna, every decision I make is to get closer and closer to appointments that are closable. And sometimes that means putting aside time to get more creative, putting aside time to brainstorm or strategize on on one call over another. So I've, I've shifted my mindset a little bit just in terms of um, making sure you're not just looking at one thing. Um, and and, I'll, and I'll, I'll give another example that's similar that, that's maybe a little bit more powerful. Um, as I mentioned earlier, um, I've always been very data-minded. Um, and so I've kind of got my metrics that I look at from, you know, from just doing it for so long. And, um, you know, one of those is just quota attainment, right? That's something you got to look at. Quotas here, how, how's individuals doing against that? But what can sometimes get hidden is um, just plain conversion. So of the total activities that, you know, an individual is doing, what's the percentage of time that they're actually getting a win? Um, and they're different numbers, right? So let me see if I can put some, some specifics to it. So I was working with um, one team member specifically where um, she was off on quota attainment. But if we looked at her conversion, um, she was actually leading the team from an outbound perspective. And so in coaching in that one scenario, um, now this ended up to be, she needed to be able to up her volume, but being very custom per individual and looking at several data points um, is, 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 is important because some of things, some things can get hidden. So I don't know if that's clear, or if I can expand on anything else. There. No, I, this is, this is fantastic. So it's not always about the numbers. I like this. Now I, I want to actually push back a little bit on you, right? So you just talked about the, this example and you said that, you know, this, this person you're talking about the, the quota that wasn't there, right? The outbound volume wasn't there, but she had a much higher conversion rate. So here's the thing, right? So I, let's say you, and I have no idea what your quote is, but let's say you say, I've got to set 20 appointments in a month. Um, and the idea is that we know those are going to convert at some amount, let's say 25% and, and move to the next opportunity. So that means that ultimately you're trying to get five conversions. Well, it, what if I made five calls and set five appointments and all five of those converted to new opportunities? Does my number of 20 matter? Not as much, but where where it where it does matter is if we look at pure, pure quota attainment. If if you're not take that, let's see, tell me the conversion again. So if you take the the conversion that a person has, and if there's just not enough leads there for that to have a, a benefit, then um, the, the quota attainment is going to be lower. It's a hey, you don't have to do anything else but increase because your conversion is stellar, and all I need you to do is just increase those dials. Does that make sense? It, it does. But I guess like, I mean, what you're ultimately trying to do is just get closed deals, right? That you, As you pass Correct. those over to the other team. So Correct. if every Absolutely. single person I set an appointment with becomes a deal, Absolutely. my number can be lower. Oh yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yes. And that's actually another topic that we're, <laughs> that we are uh, putting some focus and that we're prioritizing here at Amplify is figuring out, um, what, what should, you know, what should quota be based on, and, and it really, at the end of the day, to your point, it comes down to um, the conversion to um, pipeline. And um, there's, a, there's a lot of different ways that you can get there. It's just, it's funny. And the reason I'm talking about that and I, and I love having this conversation with you is, is because I'm working on that with several of my clients right now, because they want just pure, like they want to talk, they want to track talk time, you know, obviously time on the phone. I'm like, Whoa, what's the goal? <laughs> 
right? I can I, I can game any metric. So if I'm going to game the metric, let the metric be closed deals, right? So, but, yeah. but, but I don't know. Anyway, so we'll move on. So this is a hard job. You've done it for many, many years. You've been the person pulling the data. You've been the person calling. You've been the man, person managing uh, the callers. Now you're leading a team that's just focused on one client. But how do you coach and manage this, the sustainability aspect of this? Because it's a, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It is. It absolutely is. Um, so there's, I think, a couple things that are important from a mindset perspective, and there's a couple things that are important just from a leadership perspective. So um, I'll start with mindset. Um, the first thing you have to realize, this is for anybody in any role, you know, specifically for SDRs, is that energy is something that runs out. Um, and if you don't replenish it, you're actually not performing to the best of your ability. Um, and I learned that lesson pretty hard where, you know, I was at a point in my life where it's like, I was going to work, I was working through lunch, I was going home, I was working again, going to bed and working. And there's a point where you're actually not doing, you're not actually not making the best decisions for your company because your, your performance is going to get impacted. Um, there's a book called The Powerful Engagement where they, um, these, these authors basically have a business of working with athletes and understanding how do, how do they keep at peak performance? And like the biggest component of that is rest, being able to take a break. And so um, just embodying that as a leader is really important um, and encouraging it. Um, specifically for SDRs in terms of just like overall structure um, is making sure they feel connected to why the role matters within the organization um, and also feeling connected to their future and what they're working towards. It's, I think it's very clear that the SDR in several organizations, first, it's a fantastic way to get to revenue, which I always a big believer in that. Um, but it's also probably not a life role. And um, we've got, especially here, we've got a lot of folks that amplify that, you know, are really excited about moving on to becoming an AE or working with clients or, you know, taking it to the next level. Um, I, first of all, I commend them because um, it's a hard role to start with. If you master it, I, there's there's not too much other stuff you can't do. Um, but being able to to keep that in front of um, in front of team members and being able to talk about, hey, remember, like we're going along this path together. Like here's what you need to do from get to to get from this role to this role, and I'm here to support you through that. Um, and reiterating to them, hey guys, remember, like the, doing the hard work on the front end of these calls is why we're able to hit our goals as an organization. Those two things are just really huge. So I have a wide range of listeners to this show, and, and what I mean by that is experience level. So for all of my SDRs and, and, and junior AEs, young AEs out there, take this episode and give it to your manager and make them listen to it. Mary, that was amazing. I could not agree more. And managers, if you're hearing this, listen to the words she just said. Draw that line for your people and let them understand how valuable they are and how you know and why their role matters. Mary, that was awesome. Fantastic. So. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a powerful piece. It is. Look, we're, Mary, we, I've got to take a quick break so that we can thank our sponsors. When we come back, it's going to be time for the money round. So you don't go away. And Sales Tuners, you don't go away either. We'll be right back. Sales Tuners, I want to tell you about Costello, a new product I've been exploring for discovery calls. One of the things I hear most from VPs of sales is their frustration with the lack of consistency and transparency from their reps in the discovery process. If that's you, you need to check out Costello. Costello guides reps to ask the right questions, provides them with dynamic suggestions, automatically updates Salesforce, and even makes it easy to form the habits that ultimately close more deals. 
For a demo, head to andcostello.com. That's A-N-D-C-O-S-T-E-L-L-O.com. We're back and it's time for the money round. Mary, are you ready for the money round? Couldn't be more ready, Jim. (laughs) Here we go. What's the one thing that has contributed most to your transformation from normal to exceptional? I have uh, taught myself to never be afraid of the next challenge. Um, As long as I am taking time to seek feedback um, from mentors and others around me, and as long as I'm taking that feedback and making it my own, I can get there. If you were to start over today in sales, what would you tell your 22-year-old self to spend the next 30 days doing? Um, I would um, encourage and um, I would encourage spending more time with the with your follow-ups. And I think that that's true for prospecting and that's true for those that are taking it all the way um, to close. What I've learned is that your follow-ups are your money. Um, and... Um, when it comes to being just very intentional about moving those follow-ups from one step to another, those are the ones that are going to pay off for you. Two-part question for you here, Mary. Which phrase describes you best and why I love to win or I hate to lose? I would say I love to win because whenever I lose, which isn't often, <laughs> when I do, I learn. Very good. What's a book that you've read multiple times or always find yourself recommending to others? How Remarkable Women Lead, and that is by Joanna Barsh. Sales Sooners, if you'd like to check out Mary's suggestion of How Remarkable Women Lead for free, head on over to salessooners.com slash book, and there you can sign up for a free 30-day trial of Audible and browse their more than 150,000 titles. Again, that's salestooners.com slash book. Mary, what's something that you believe that nearly no one agrees with you on? Um, this will go back to my obsession with the Indy 500. Um, a, a lot of people I talk to think that watching fast cars going around a track is the most boring thing in the world, and I think it's the most thrilling. <laughs> I, I could, we could take that about five more minutes, but uh, I'm going to move on. So uh, what, <laughs> what is the biggest piece of advice that you have for all the sales tuners out there grinding today? Think about sales like a process. Um, especially when you're new, the only thing that you should focus on is taking it from A to B, from B to C and C to D. Then start failing, learning, seeking feedback and getting better. I'm going to get you out of here on this one. How could someone find you or connect with you if they wanted to after the show? Absolutely. So a couple of different ways. So I am on Twitter, Mary B. Jolly, J-O-L-L-Y. That is my maiden name. Or you can find me, Mary Browning, on LinkedIn. Um, I love talking about sales and sales development. I love talking about women in sales. So if you want to reach out to me directly, you can reach me at Mary at Amplify.com. Mary, this has been amazing. I really appreciate your time today. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Jim. As I mentioned during the show, I'm a big fan of what Mary has been able to do in so many different capacities. Having worked with her at two different companies, I've seen the results firsthand. That said, today, I felt like I got to see a little bit behind the curtain. So let's get to my top takeaways. Number one, it all starts with data. Data is the list of people you're going to call and the industry or demographics of the companies you're looking at. Taking a look at those numbers to the next level focuses on the people behind those numbers. What are their common needs? How can you help them? When you consider the current marketplace and the ins and outs of the organization, part of being a successful salesperson is understanding and meeting clients where they are. Number two, 
Make your message matter. It isn't just about the numbers. What is the customer's pain? You need to make it your job to find out, and quick. One of the biggest challenges in prospecting is that you generally have 30 seconds or less to uncover someone's pain. That's why it's so important to develop succinct ways to communicate a solution to their real pain. Make it count. Number three, consider your cadence. Most importantly, how a message is delivered should be diverse. It needs to be communicated through a mix of channels, including phone, email, and social, or whatever methods you see fit for your business. Staggering different types of communication throughout a period of time, like two weeks, for example, is one of the best ways to reach someone in the long run. In most cases, a phone call or two just simply won't cut it. Number four, qualification matters. What's a scenario where a prospect probably isn't going to move to a next step for you? Understanding that from the first time you take a meeting allows you to really learn from the conversations you're having and improve the overall conversion rate. If a meeting is qualified, use that as an opportunity to grow by digging into why it didn't work. From there, you can structure qualifying questions to ask future prospects and make you more knowledgeable and efficient in your process. That's it. Thank you so much for listening. If you have questions you'd like to ask our guest, please tweet at me at SalesTuners or shoot me an email, jim at SalesTuners.com. Be sure to sign up for our email list where we send out expanded content and previews of upcoming guests. All right. I hope to see you next week. Until then, let's make it rain. Thanks for listening to Sales Tuners. Stay up to date at www.salestuners.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. And they stay there.